So, hiding in plain sight. Micah chapter 6, verse 8 says this. He has told you, O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly. I think that's a pretty good mission statement. As a matter of fact, I attended a church at one point that as you drove in their driveway, they had this massive sign that said those exact words. And I think about our, our calling as Christ followers, and it, it makes me question, it makes me wonder at times, what would it say if we as believers adopted a mindset like that as our culture? Not just some declaration that we make when we gather together as believers, but more so as, as a, uh, a statement to live off of, as you see in Matthew 28 in different places throughout Scripture, that we say, no, 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 this is more than just a, uh, a one-off statement. This right here is a theme that we see throughout the Bible, and we see a, th- a theme throughout Jesus' life, and we as Christ followers are going to create a culture of that, of doing justice and loving kindness and walking with humility. I, see, I think culture is an interesting phenomenon. If, if you study different cultures, you'll uh, see that there are just some weird things uh, out there, and they're weird because what? They're not culturally relevant to us. Uh, if, if you were to travel to Greece and, and maybe a few other countries, you would see that when children lose their teeth, they don't put it underneath their pillow. No, what do they do? They throw it on their roof, right? Why? Why, why does that make sense? How's the tooth fairy going to get to your roof? And just in case, by the way, in case you were wondering, uh, tooth fairy is not something that we endorse here at Piedmont Church. It's not necessarily a real thing. Just, you know, all stars over there, so, you know, we can pretend here. Just making sure that everyone's on the same page. But if you were to travel to India and you were to go buy something, and you were going to get your change, guess what? That person in India would likely not use their left hand, right? And for if you want those specific reasons, you can talk to me afterwards. But it's a cultural thing, right? And so they won't use their left hand. Culture is, a, is an interesting phenomenon. H- how is culture shaped? Well, I read one sociologist said that the most common way that cultures change and the, the most common way that cultures are shaped is through contact with other cultures. See, the the culture that we live in today is changing faster than any other culture ever before us. Why? Because the development of travel, the development of technology. The culture that we live in today will look very different in 10 years, whereas thousands of years ago, maybe 1,500 years ago, maybe even 100 years ago, the culture did not change at quite a quick of pace as it does today. The, the culture that your children, if you have them in the room, are, are being raised in is very different than the culture likely that you were raised in. Why is that? Because of the development of travel and the development of technology allows us to connect with other cultures. And when we connect with other cultures, things change. Things happen. And as we're going to look at today... I believe that oftentimes when we hear about culture change, when we think about combining different cultures and and all of those, I think sometimes we have a tendency 
to put walls up. Sometimes we have a tendency to say, you know what, I like how my culture is. I don't, I don't want to look anything like anyone else. I, I want to, to look exactly the way I look now, but what I want to try to show us through Scripture and through some of the, the clips of the movies that we'll see is that culture change isn't always a bad thing. If you look in history, in many ways it can be a good thing. In the 1800s, it was culturally acceptable to own another human being. I'm glad that culture has changed. In the 1900s, classism was culturally acceptable. So as we move into a time period today where our culture is changing at a faster pace than any culture before us, it leads me to ask the question, as, as Christ followers, what are the core values that our culture holds? When we believe in Christ, when we take that stance, we say, I am putting my faith, my hope, my trust, my life into Christ. How does he expect us to live? Because the way we live will bring on a culture, not only in our own households, but in the people that we connect with. In 1 John 2, uh, John says that as Christ followers, we are to reside in this world for a time, but we're not to be of this world. World. So there's this, there's this rub there between Christ's followers and everyone else. And oftentimes our culture and the, the cultural values that we hold will be different from those that we intersect life with, right? When maybe at, at schools or at public venues, when you're in different places, the morals, the ethics, the cultural values that you hold in your household, for whatever reason you hold them, are likely to be very different at times, than other people that you're going to intersect with in life. So how, how can we deal with those? How, how do we handle those changes in our life? Because a large part of the people that we intersect with outside of the church, they don't hold the same views as us. Are, are we to hide in plain sight, as we saw in that clip from the Wakandans, that we, we have what we consider to be the answer and we, we know who Jesus is. We know why we were created. We know everything exists for His glory. And He gives us these, these rules to live by, these paths and these, and these things to follow. And at the center of everything, He is to be glorified. And we know this to be 100% true. Then how do we live our lives as Christ followers? What culture do we create around us? I was having a conversation with a family recently, and we were having the conversation about church growth. We were just asking the, conversa- asking the question of how can we, not just as Piedmont, but how can the kingdom of God grow together, you know, collectively? And I've had this conversation, well, Pastor Jerry and I have had, we've, I've had this conversation with, with probably dozens of pastors. And, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of times it comes down to intentionality. When we, when we live lives as Christians, the longer that we are walking with Jesus, the more we find that our closest friends, our closest people in our lives, the allies, the things that we do, those people hold similar values to us. And so when we go to church, those people will typically hold very similar values and beliefs 
as we do. Oftentimes, we'll, we may even send our kids to a private Christian school so that our kids can be raised not only uh, with a good education, but with an education that's based off of Christian beliefs because we want a Christian worldview. We want to make sure that we're raising our children in the fear and admission of the Lord. And so what we find over time, the longer we walk with Christ, the less and less influence that we have with people that are outside of this world that we call Christian. Right? The more people that are close to us, those people happen to be Christ followers. And the people that are on the fringe in our life, we don't really have a great relationship with them. So how can we ever share the gospel with them because we just don't have that relationship? I was having this, Ben uh, runs our All-Stars, and we, he's been promoting, hey, bring your friends, bring your friends, bring your friends to the kids. And several of our kids have gone back to their parents and said, well, all my friends go to church. So who, who, who should I bring so they can hear about Jesus? And it makes me kind of inside go, so how do we live in the world but not of the world? And I, and I think it's through intentionality. I had a friend of mine who planted a church in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, it was about 10 years ago now. And when he got there, it was about 40 of them who decided to plant this church. And one of the things that they made a core value for the church was to live with intentionality. So when they went to the local grocery store, they went to the restaurant that we, you know, you have that one restaurant you might go to fairly regularly. For some of us, it's a Mexican restaurant, right, because we just love chips and salsa, right? And so you end up going to this place over and over and over again. And so one of the things that they said as a church is, what if we try to sit with the same waiter or waitress every time? What if we made it a point in our lives to get to know said person? And when we walked in, we asked that person, you know, how their day was, how's life, and, and over numerous times, because we all know chips and salsa, right? So we keep going. We meet them, and a year and a half down the road, we've seen this person, you know, like, you know do the math. It's like, what, 72 times, right? We've, we've seen them a bunch, right? And what if you saw Judy or Jim 72 times once a week? By the end of that year and a half, you should have a decent hold on who Judy or Jim is. Even if they are just your waiter or waitress, you could make and build a relationship with someone who may or may not have any of the same cultural beliefs that you do, and they're right there with a, one small step of intentionality. We can have a relationship with someone who doesn't look anything like us at times, who might not believe anything like us, and we can open a door to share the name of Jesus. So when we are debating on what our culture should look like and what we hold as Christians and as core values for us, oftentimes there comes a struggle, just like the Oclondons are going to have in this next clip. The struggle with helping those around them in this movie is the same struggle that we face today. I think that the culture around us tries to teach us that when we help people, it's always going to cost us something. There's this negative uh, reimbursement on our side that when we help people, there's always going to be something that costs us. When you let the refugees in, they bring their problems with me. And please do not hear this sermon this morning as any sort of political stance. What I want us to understand is, is God is calling us to love the least and the lost. That's what he's calling us to do. And, and sometimes when we, when we hear about go help, it it brings this implication that no matter what we do, it's going to cost 
us something. It's the age-old saying that no good deed goes unpunished. I don't know if you've heard this, but I certainly heard it uh, growing up through different uh, various things. My, my, as I told you in the past, my dad was in ministry, and a lot of times in the ministry uh, that he was in was a urban context. We, we had ministry dealings with, with kids that just came from some troubled areas. And th- there came a point in the ministry where there were several kids in my dad's ministry that, for whatever reason or not, they found themselves homeless. And, and I know in America, in what this was, what, t- 2004 probably, uh, the story that I'm about to tell, it's hard to believe that there's kids out there that can be homeless. But this, this one specific kid, he grew up and his, uh, his mom had several different kids. She had six or seven kids. And when he turned 18 as a junior in high school, mama said, I don't have to pay for you anymore, so be gone, right? And so my mom and my dad, who, who had done ministry with this kid for several years, uh, said, man, hey, come, come on over to our house. And he began living with us. And what I can tell you about uh, living with kids who come from different cultures is they ain't like me, right? There's a lot of things that just ain't similar. So when my dad would say, Chris, you can only have one soda a, soda a day, I would um, drink one soda a day, or I would just, I guess, you know, suffer the consequences. What this kid would do is he would drink three or four sodas, and he would stuff the empty cans in the couch, right? Okay, sure. Some, someday we're going to clean the couch, but that's, that's fine. Uh, when, when the groceries would come home, I didn't rush to the kitchen. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but I didn't, right? When he, when, when the groceries would come home, he would rush immediately to the kitchen because he grew up in a culture where food was not always around. I grew up in a culture when I went to that fridge or when I went to that pantry, it may not have been what I wanted, but there was something there. And when I think about the good deed that my parents did by letting this kid come and live with them, I, I think about, you know, certainly there, there were costs to that, but I believe that my dad would look back and say the cost was well worth it, because that kid got put in a a, a situation where he could finish his high school uh, degree, graduate, and then eventually go on to college, and now he is an owner of uh, a a few insurance companies, uh, just small, you know, in-house kind of things. That's a pretty big deal to say when you're 18 years old as a junior in high school, which you do the math, you know, means he got held back a few times, some complications. And because of one person's kindness, one person's sacrifice, that kid had a better opportunity than likely he would have had uh, living on the streets. But what I, what I find interesting is our culture says it's going to cost us something, right? But here's what Scripture says about helping people. Proverbs nineteen seventeen: Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Acts 20.35, in all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Matthew 25.40, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Isaiah 1.17, Learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, and bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. 1 John 3, 17-18, but if anyone has the world's goods 
and they see his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Proverbs 21.13, and this is my last one. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. I think just in those, and there are several more, that preach this truth that we are called to help the least. We're called to go out and, and support the poor, speak for those that don't have a voice, and God never says it's going to cost you something. Now, we know that logistically it's going to cost us something, but what He says in His Word is that everything you've invested into me, I invest right back into you, whatever that looks like. I was watching, Amy and I were watching a comedian the other day, and he, he was talking about how, you know, some dads uh, spank kids when they're young, and he's saying, when I was seven, my, my dad just played mental mind games on me, right? And he goes through this story. Uh, he comes home one day, and he's seven years old. He sits down at the dinner table, and his dad says, hey, son, uh, you know, how was your day? And he goes, hey, it was great. You know, I was sitting over there on the bench, and I saw Johnny get beat up. And the dad goes, you saw Johnny get beat up? What, did, did you help? Well, no, I was sitting over there on the bench. And the dad goes, did you think that was the right thing to do? Well, I was sitting over there on the bench. And the dad then goes into this story of World War II and the Nazis going into places and, and taking the Jews. And he said, did you think there were people just watching when that happened? And he goes, but I was sitting on the bench. And he goes, so how are you any better than the Nazis? Now, I think that's a huge leap, right? But I think that was the comedian's joke. But, but I, I think for us, when we, when we look at Scripture and it says, I mean, Proverbs 21, 13, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. This is exactly what God is saying to us. It's to help. T take a step of faith and follow me and help. Help the people who are being oppressed. Whatever they look like, wherever they're from, help them. And sometimes helping people begins with helping one person. You know, I think back on that student that my, that my family was able to help. And I love to be able to go ask my dad, you know, was it worth it? Because I think the student in, in that moment, you know, being broken, rejected, uh, maybe feeling worthless, uh, certainly anger in that moment of being kicked out, I would like to think that my dad would say something along, along the lines of, you know, I, I can't help everyone, but I could certainly help that one. See, when we take steps in faith and we follow the Lord's calling on our lives, then we can begin to see change in other people's lives. Then we can begin to see the, the culture of Christianity becoming less about just a gathering on Sunday mornings, which certainly is biblical. We, we need to gather together every Sunday morning and encourage each other and lift each other up, but that is in part so that we can fuel each other up, encourage each other up, equip each other, so that when we leave these walls, we take the culture that, which Jesus has given us, and we take that with us, and we go be people of change in our communities. We go be peoples 
of cultural change in the workplace and in, in the sports team and, and at our schools. We, we embody Jesus every single place that we go because what I know about Jesus is that when we encounter the living Jesus, no one leaves unchanged. Every single one of us in this room this morning that has encountered Jesus, that has a relationship with Him, we are not the same today that we were on that day. And what I believe is just as the gospel came to you, it's going to someone else. And we as believers are charged with taking that word. We're charged with living in a culture of servanthood, in a culture of humility, in a culture of love, in a culture that looks to help all people not just those who look like us and talk like us. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Last week, John Turner gave an amazing message. If you didn't hear it, you can go online, piedmontchurch.net. He gave an amazing message about how oftentimes we live in this place, this place of going across seas into different continents and helping people. And he's so right. But the message that I'm, I want you to hear from me is very similar to the message that he gave last week. We need to be the kind of people that goes to our neighbors and tells them the gospel. Going across seas is super important. You're going to hear more about why this church believes in that a lot here in just a few minutes. But what I'm also trying to tell you, what I'm also trying to show you through Scripture, is that God has called each and every single one of us as Christ followers to not just live like, you know, we're going to Magdalena, Guatemala, over there, to live like we're going to Magdalena, Guatemala, and Macon, and in Atlanta, and in Warner Robins, and in Milledgeville, and various places that we find ourselves, take the culture, take the words of God with us as we go, because big things can happen when we take steps of faith together. The most common way that cultures change is through contact with other cultures. Although God has certainly set us apart, we're redeemed, we're adopted, we're chosen in Christ, He's called us to make an impact in our world. He hasn't called us to adopt the, the culture of the world. He's called us to take the culture and the values and the beliefs that He's given us through His Word, through His people. And He's called us to go and take them. And I, what I love about the, the picture in that movie, through all the turmoil that the Wakandans face and and all, and all the things is at the end of the day, it ended on helping people. And I think we in this community have a massive uh, just a opportunity to help people. You know, I, I've lived in a couple different places, and, and what, what, I, what I like about Macon and what also troubles me about Macon is we are a very struggling city. We, we, we have a lot of struggles. We have, a, we have a varying different group of people. We have very wealthy. We have very poor. And, and we have people all over that spectrum in between. What if the people of God, I think the, the joke around making is we've got more churches than any other city in the world, and I don't know how true that is, but what if the people of God, what if each one of us decided that, no, we, we, we certainly can't do this big picture, but we could help one person. What if we all decided to come together as, as a body of believers and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live to make an impact for someone else through the love and generosity of Jesus Christ. Then I believe we collectively can make a huge impact. Pastor Jerry has been talking 
to a lot of different organizations about making this impact. And I'm hoping some things are coming down the line for us as a church collectively to come together. But my question for us this morning is how are you individually taking steps of faith to reach people? When we take steps of faith and follow the Lord's calling on our lives, then we can begin to see people's lives changed and the culture around us look more like the culture that Jesus has called us to. Again, Matthew 6, 8, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the calling on our lives, Christ followers. This is what we've been called to do. And if you're in this room this morning and maybe you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to encourage you to read the scriptures. I'd, I'd encourage you to speak to one of our elders or one of the staff about following Jesus because here is what he came to do. We were separated from God, and yet he came as a bridge to reunite us with him. And when we get reunited, we put our faith in Christ. We have the ability to walk like that, not because of our own strength, but because he has put his spirit inside of us, and we can take big leaps of faith when individually we take a small step of faith towards Christ.